With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello and happy Tuesday, my friends. This is Amy Lee San Juan, and I'd like to welcome you back to another phenomenal episode of Cisco Champion Radio where we provide insights and visibility into products and solutions across the Cisco portfolio and trending topics across our industry. Today, we are talking about Cisco Hyperflex, and specifically, we are going to unpack how it is making the journey to hybrid cloud simpler and more efficient, ultimately providing the infrastructure that can adapt to your ever-changing business needs. And after the past couple of years, I think we can all agree how important that is. All right, you know how we do it here. We have an awesome Cisco champion lineup to drive the conversation and a most knowledgeable Cisco expert. So let's get into it and start with some introductions. Dan, we're going to start with you. Tell us about who you are and what you do. Hi, I'm Dan Telcher. I am a enterprise network and cybersecurity solutions architect with Meridian IT. So I right now I focus primarily on the, the network and cybersecurity space. Um, I've worked with Hyperflex and UCS for quite a while now, so pretty familiar with what, what those do and excited to be able to talk through them today. I like that deep breath in after reciting your, your title. I, it's a long it's, one. It's a doozy, and if I throw the, the <laughs> length of the master's degree in there as well, I, it's yeah, we could fill up the entire podcast with just that. All right. It's a good problem to have. All right, Mike, you're up next. What do you do? Yeah, I'll uh, just go with the generic title because my title is also a little long. But uh, yeah, my name is Mike Belitho. I'm a wireless engineer with Common Spirit Health. Um, we're a healthcare organization across the United States. Um, I've been doing wireless full time for about four months, uh, but I've got about a decade in traditional networking experience, uh, campus and data center. So yeah, excited to be here. Looking forward to talking about Hyperflex. Excellente. All right, Ryan, tell us about yourself. Yeah, hi. I'm Ryan Harris. Uh, I'm a senior network engineer with uh, Presidio, and I have been doing general networking for over ten years now. But uh, you know, I do security, uh, some data center, basically whatever interests me at the, any given moment. So that's awesome. All right, Michael. Glad to have you with us. Can you tell us more about who you are and what you do here at Cisco? Yeah, thanks. Uh, yeah, so my name is Mike Zimmerman. Uh, I lead our technical marketing uh, team and specifically for our uh, cloud and compute business unit. So, um, you know, that's all of our uh, compute products as well as Hyperflex and also Intersight, which we'll get into and uh, uh, looking forward to the, to the uh, discussion. All right. Well, let's get into it then. Uh, we are, of course, talking about Cisco Hyperflex, which has been around for quite a while. Uh, set us up for a productive conversation. Uh, anything we should know before we dive into it? Yeah, really just like to uh, level set on what Hyperflex is. Um, so uh, I'll kind of take a step back. Let's let's kind of talk about the progression of kind of the data center in general. So um, if you think several years ago, uh, it was kind of disparate hardware, you know, uh, compute, network, storage, 
um, from different vendors as well, right? So the customers had to kind of figure out how do we put that together? How do these things uh, uh, work uh, towards our common goals or our applications? And then so kind of the next evolution of that was converged infrastructure. So um, here at Cisco, we're definitely a heavy player in converged infrastructures like FlexPod and FlashStack. And what that really brought was kind of a more... Um, uh, I wouldn't go as far as integration, but uh, more tested and uh, uh, developed best practices and writing white papers and Cisco validated design. So it's kind of a more tested, tried and true, tried and true um, um, infrastructure, if you will. Uh, still, still from uh, kind of disparate vendors, but uh, again, it was those those vendors working together to kind of provide those best practices to uh, to customers. And then kind of the next evolution was hyperconverged, and that's what Cisco Hyperflex is, is a hyperconverged solution. Uh, and, you know, hyper, hyperconverged is really about kind of, um, kind of aggregating that even further, and it's about kind of simplicity uh, and, and also uh, automation and integration of all the components. So if you think about providing compute network storage all from within the same box or set of boxes, if you will. Um, so kind of to describe that further, um, what, what Hyperflex is, is if you take our UCS rack servers, um, and let's say you've got a hypervisor like VMware running on top of those, so you've got a compute cluster running. Um, what we do is we, we layer on top our Hyperflex data platform, and this is a software-defined storage layer, which can actually take all of the local drives. So if you think about these rack servers being loaded out with, uh, with local drives, um, we can actually... Um, provide that local storage back to the hypervisor layer as shared storage. And that's really a common requirement of virtualization and kind of a compute cluster is that shared storage uh, element. Um, so um, again, we're taking those local drives, we're using uh, the Hyperflex data platform to provide that storage back to, uh, back to the virtual environment. Uh, and we're adding uh, a, a number of different kind of data management uh, uh, features on top of that as well, like uh, snapshots and replication and things like that. So, um, you know, not to mention automation of installation and expansion and things like that. So uh, a lot of different things we're doing there. And again, all from within the UCS platform and our software defined storage uh, layered on top of that. And, and you know, one thing, uh, you know, just to kind of get into the kind of the, the hybrid cloud discussion here, um, you know, one thing that, uh, you know, this does is, again, I mentioned kind of the automation piece around this, right? We're really trying to um, look at what our customers are trying to achieve. And, uh, you know, customers have certain requirements that might have them, uh, you know, keep some applications on-prem or move some applications to the cloud. And that automation piece is a big aspect of kind of what we're doing with HyperFlex and being able to bring the on-prem infrastructure to a place where, uh, they can very easily move past the day-to-day lifecycle management of infrastructure and move to kind of deploying the applications, so the, the, the piece that actually, you know, makes money for our customers, right? Um, so, you know, with that and kind of with the hybrid cloud discussion, kind of wanted to pose it back to our uh, our champions if, if we could and just kind of see what, what does hybrid cloud mean to you guys? I'll take the bait. So <clears throat> hybrid cloud, hybrid cloud is is much like a lot of kind of the other buzzwords where it means a lot of things to a lot of people. Really, to me, hybrid cloud kind of gets into the the idea that we've gone from a centralized data center and everything was in that, you know, that one big or two or however many co-located sites or whatever. But we had that. And then there was this big push to send everything to cloud. And 
every time that we go through these these kind of paradigm shifts of it's going to be in the cloud or it's going to be in a data center or we're going to centralize we run into these problems of there's always drawbacks um, moving everything to cloud services we tended to run into issues with latency our applications are now maybe it's located on the east coast and we've got people that are in the, the central u.s trying to hit that application we've got we've got some potential performance issues Sometimes having things just geographically spread out, latency can be a problem. So when I think hybrid cloud, I think we kind of take our, our traditional data center locations, we take cloud, and then we take edge computing, and we kind of roll those three together as it's it's no longer a one-size-fits-all. We figure out the right place to put an application, the right place to put a service to provide the best performance for that set of, of users uh, but it's it's really having the ability to have things wherever they need to be. And then the kind of the hybrid part of it is really then getting the automation, like you mentioned, where I can I can move things. I have some some degree of dynamic portability. I can spin things up where I need to. So it's it's really about the flexibility and not tying yourself to a single architecture or solution. Yeah. And I mean, that's been super helpful for us as we're, you know, this uh kind of a discontiguous hospital system across the United States, right? And we have a couple of data centers in-house, but with that latency issue, right? So instead, we're able to put applications in the cloud over on the East Coast where we're closer to some hospital systems over there that'll use that application that doesn't get necessarily used elsewhere. So that latency aspect, it really has helped us to bring that down and you know provide a better experience for the users. So uh, for me, it means uh, you know scalability, flexibility, but a lot of complexity. Um, in my experience has been, uh, you know, I think a lot of people early on were like, oh, it's great. It, you know, AWS or Azure, whoever's making all of these awesome security tools for us. And, um, but then nobody's configuring things in a secure fashion. So, um, that's kind of the, the complexity is, you know, instead of having one or two data centers to secure, uh, now we've got, uh, you know, those same data centers, plus we've got a, you know, three different cloud solutions that we've got to secure and manage and um, make sure that, uh, you know, connectivity to those data centers are all standing up. And, um, but, you know, at the same time, that's awesome that we don't have to, you know, if we need to scale up a, a data center, um, we don't necessarily have to buy the equipment and wait for, you know, whatever the lead times are in 2022. And we can just, uh, we could just click a couple of buttons and have, you know, a hundred new VMs stood up and within, you know, a few hours. So um, I think that's, that's such an awesome opportunity for, uh, you know, businesses to, to scale and, and make their business needs met uh, when that's not necessarily easy to do on prem right now. So, I, hey, Michael, I guess that's a kind of good question. You know, Ryan was talking about that complexity. So how does Hyperflex then simplify things for us as customers. Yeah, sure. So, you know, I, I mentioned uh, kind of the integration between all the components, right? You think about uh, compute, network storage, all running within the same stack and the, really the same set of boxes, right? The, our UCS uh, rack servers. It's really all about that software layer on top and that integration of all those components. So um, we have a um, uh, something called Cisco Intersight, uh, which is our hybrid cloud uh, operations platform. Uh, and what this allows customers to do is uh, basically manage that entire life cycle of all of their Hyperflex clusters. So it could be 
you know, onesie twosie type hyperflex clusters. It could be tens or hundreds of hyperflex clusters, and it doesn't matter where they reside, whether it's you know in a couple data centers or you know spread across to hundreds of um, edge locations, for example. But it allows them to see all that within a single platform. Um, do complete automation through uh, you know installation of those all of those sites from one place um, expansion you need to add new uh, uh, new nodes or new um, uh, storage for example to uh, to the cluster or even upgrade all of those components as well so that that includes uh, the UCS firmware that includes ESXi um, the the hypervisor software um, uh, and also the hyperflex data platform itself so there's kind of multiple aspects that were um, we're kind of masking behind the scenes and again, kind of treating it as a single platform uh, and providing that automation and simplicity uh, where you don't have to go in and manage each of the software components um, to give you a really good example. And this is a very simplified example, but uh, you go into Hyperflex and you create a data store, right? Well, that automatically gets mounted back over into the hypervisor through our automation that we have. So there, there's no need for a user to kind of jump back and forth between the different components. Um, so, um, you know, so so Intersight kind of coming back to Intersight is the, the the entire automation across again the life cycle, but then we also have these added on services as well, things like uh, Kubernetes as a service and orchestration, and those things have a broader reach than just on prem. So those can actually talk to the public cloud uh, vendors out there, right? And you start to get a visibility across both your on prem infrastructure as well as the infrastructure that you have running out in the public cloud too. So. So, you know, uh, Hyperflex is that platform on-prem, and then you start deploying these services either to Hyperflex or your public cloud uh, um, vendors as well. So, again, Intersight kind of brings that single point of management across your entire hybrid, uh, entire hybrid cloud. Excuse me. Tongue twister there. <laughs> um, so I'd like to ask a little bit about uh, Hyperflex and just kind of why is Cisco doing it better than other hyper or hyperconverged solutions that uh, that may be out there that maybe some people have experience with? Yeah, thanks, Ryan. Um, so first, I, so I guess a couple different uh, things I'll mention here. Maybe three different uh, different topics I'll talk about. Um, so one um, is performance. Um, so we've been number one in performance, and this is not kind of our own, you know, us tooting our own horn here, but this is uh, you know third parties. Uh, we, we've we've seen third-party tests that have actually tested us against competitors, uh, and we've uh, actually for a while now been number one in performance. And I want to mention that that's not necessarily you know peak performance. That's also consistent performance. So we we provide a consistent low latency performance. And what I mean by consistent is that all of the workloads running across Hyperflex. Uh, see that same uh, you know high level of performance. It's not like some workflow or workloads get uh, a very high level and others are are kind of starved of resources. It's a very consistent across the entire platform. Um, so the second thing I'll mention is flexibility. Um, you may also see us call this kind of adaptable infrastructure, but uh, you know just the 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 options that we provide, uh, whether it's things like drive types, so you know, flash versus um, versus spinning disks, um, cluster types, so we have different configurations for data center, for example, versus um, edge locations, uh, and then maybe one kind of specific differentiation is the types of nodes that we provide, and one in particular is something called a compute only node. Um, so right now we have two different types of nodes. We have a converge node, and that's a node that is providing uh, all types of resources into the cluster, CPU, memory, as well as storage. Uh, 
Um, and a compute-only node is, is uh, a node that you can add in that is not providing storage into the infrastructure so or into the cluster. Um, so we kind of allow um, customers to look at what resources are constrained. So, okay, I need to specifically add more CPU and memory, but maybe I don't need more storage. Well, you can go add a compute-only node at that point. You don't have to pay for um, extra storage and pay for all those drives in that uh, in that node. So it allows them to scale um, as and where necessary um, versus just bolting on another node and paying for that extra, maybe paying for those resources that you don't need. So performance, flexibility, uh, and I'll say the third one, uh, kind of go back to Cisco Intersight and the management piece of this. That's really a true differentiator, being able to, uh, again, install, expand, upgrade, and provide all these other services on top of HyperFlex, um, really from anywhere in the world. So customers can basically have their HyperFlex cluster shipped directly to the end location. No need to ship it to a kind of central site to stage it, you know, install it, that kind of thing. Ship it directly where that infrastructure is going to live. They simply claim those devices into Intersight, and Intersight is a SaaS-based, a cloud-based platform. Uh, and again, you can do the entire uh, installation um, from uh, from Cisco Intersight, so that central location. Um, you basically answer a few questions, click go, and come back uh, after lunch, and you've got a, a virtual infrastructure ready to roll. So, um, so yeah, so those three things, probably performance, flexibility, and uh, management. So when you mentioned flexibility, um, earlier when we were talking hybrid cloud, the the edge compute kind of thing I mentioned, could you talk a little bit more about that? Um, historically, when, you, when we looked at like a, a small office, branch office, you'd often be looking at, hey, I need to put, you know, some sort of, of storage network here. So something, you know, I, I need to be able to have a, a storage array that has multi-access. I need at least at least two, maybe three compute nodes that are connected. And you'd be looking at a pretty sizable environment that you're trying to deploy to an, an, you know, relatively small office, add in the manageability of trying to manage multiple platforms. Uh, what can you kind of talk through what we can do with HyperFlex? What kind of, how small can we start and how big can we go from a, an edge compute standpoint? Yeah. And, and, you know, edge is becoming, uh, kind of the norm or it's becoming more and more important for sure. Um, as, as our customers want to get their applications, their services out as close as possible to the end user. Um, you know, whether it's, you know, retail or, uh, even manufacturing and those types of things, like you mentioned, banks, uh, branches, those kind of things. So, um, yeah, I mean, all those different use cases I just mentioned, they all, you know, still need some form of compute network storage, uh, in those different locations, and and there may be different scales, right? Um, it may be a, at a smaller scale. So what we offer with HyperFlex, we actually have a HyperFlex Edge configuration, um, and today that's um, in anywhere from two to four nodes in a HyperFlex cluster. Um, so we definitely see that as kind of a smaller uh, a, a smaller configuration. There's still some flexibility in that, so you can scale from two to three to four. Um, and again, just depends on the number of, or the amount of resources that are required, what the workloads are. Um, and something else that we see too is, you know, even the network infrastructure at uh, these edge locations, um, you know, that's even kind of transitioning a bit too from maybe necessarily dedicated uh, hardware uh, into kind of virtual appliances as well, right? So that, that again has a need for, uh, again, uh, compute and, and network and storage resources uh, or to run those as virtual machines. So um, a number of different use cases there. Um, 
and again, I think uh, just going back to Intersight, I think that plays a huge role being able to, you know, if, if I'm a retail uh, chain, I've got hundreds of stores and I'm going to go deploy uh, infrastructure at all those stores. I want to be able to go, again, send that infrastructure to those stores and manage it from a central location. Um, again, all the automation around that. I, I probably don't have technical resources out at each location. So being able to centrally manage that um, and, again, provide those services through Intersight is a, is a huge key piece of, of Edge as well. And actually, one other thing I'll throw out there, sorry. The, the two-node Edge um, is... Is something in particular that I want to I want to talk about. Um, that's again kind of our our, our smallest configuration there, but uh, certainly our probably most popular one. And if you think about a two-node system, anything that's highly available, you know, is going to need kind of that third entity to to kind of be the uh, the tiebreaker in a in an HA event, right? If those nodes can't can talk to one another, so something there that we're pretty proud of, and actually we've. Uh, 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 released a couple things uh, recently on this is our uh, Intersight witness. So a lot of our competitors require an actual VM that actually serves as that uh, that third entity to kind of break that tie in an HA event. Um, and uh, we actually use Intersight. So there's nothing that a a customer has to configure, or they don't have to have infrastructure running uh, this third virtual machine. Um, Intersight just serves as that, uh, we call it an invisible witness, um, and serves as that, uh, that tiebreaker. Uh, and actually what we just released or what we just launched, uh, was the ability to actually run that on switches now as well. So you can run a container on the, the network switches that Hyperflex might be plugged into. And, and there's a, a variety of different switches that we support. You can actually run that witness as a container. So again, you don't really have to buy separate infrastructure to go run a, a VM w uh, witness. And you think again about customers running tens or even hundreds of these clusters, that's several VMs that they have to, uh, they have to keep up with, they have to upgrade. Um, so again, that, that, uh, that invisible witness, the containerized witness is a, is a key aspect uh, uh, for our edge uh, opportunities. You talked about the con uh, containerized witness and um, I I'm curious, what are their, uh, new innovations have been added into uh, Hyperflex. So if, you, if you've been familiar with the hardware for a little while, maybe there's some new things out there. And um, what what can you talk about that's coming to, to Hyperflex in the future? Uh, yeah, so there's a couple things actually that we've uh, recently launched and we can talk about uh, some things coming as well. But one thing I, I want to mention is our uh, um, recent release of AMD support uh, in Hyperflex. Um, so... Um, you know, Intel has been a, a, a huge partner with us and continues to be, um, but uh, we definitely um, got quite a bit of feedback from customers, specific use cases where they really wanted to see AMD options. And so we're, we're happy to have, uh, 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 you know, brought that to fruition and, and now offer uh, AMD offerings. And just to give you an example, um, uh, like VDI use cases, for example. So a lot of customers will come to us and say they want to they want to pack more VMs on the same number of physical hosts, right? And um, you know, AMD offers a higher core density um, as as an example of one of the differences. Uh, and so that's that's one of the use cases that really was kind of driving us, and and customers were asking for uh, in a VDI type use case um, uh, AMD options. Um, so um, there's some other uh, you know differences as well, things like uh, L3 cache. 
um, and other types of workloads like AI, for example, um, where that higher uh, core density um, uh, lends itself. But um, yeah, I mean, it was really driven about continuing to provide options uh, to our customers and really listening to our customers and what they needed. So um, I'd say that's one thing that uh, that we need to talk about. So AMD. Um, the other thing, and this is kind of a, a little bit forward-looking, but we're already in this transition, is a, is a transition to um, kind of a software-only approach. Um, so we, we talked about at the at the top of the uh, the podcast here about uh, uh, Hyperflex being kind of tied to UCS hardware, right? I talked about UCS rack servers, um, but again, this is another thing that we're hearing from our customers that they they need uh, other types of form factors um, that we don't provide uh, from Cisco and Cisco UCS. For example, ruggedized servers is a, is a really good example. Um, so um, we are actually uh, decoupling the uh, Hyperflex data platform so that uh, in the future customers can run uh, Hyperflex on third-party uh, server platforms as well. And again, a good example of that's ruggedized servers. Or let's say customers have uh, an investment in third-party um, hardware as well. So so again, we w- it goes back to kind of providing that, uh, providing those options and that flexibility uh, around Hyperflex. Uh, do you see any drawbacks from doing that and getting off of the Cisco specific hardware? There's, there certainly will be will be differences for sure, right? I mean, I, th- I think uh, going back to the automation and the level of integration that we have, you know, we can really, you know, because we own, you know, the Cisco UCS piece, the Hyperflex data platform, we can really kind of control that integration and have a tighter integration. Um, so I think you'll see that there's some differences in what we can do in terms of the full stack automation and configuration when we're using, when customers are using third party. Certainly, we'll still have the options with Cisco UCS, and and again, that'll be some of the value add is that kind of close-knit, tight-knit integration um, and that automation end-to-end, right? Being able to actually configure the physical server, um, again, configure the hypervisor, the the Hyperflex data platform. I'd say the other thing is that um, if there are uh, technologies or features that come out in the future, um, you know, it, it could take a little bit longer to achieve those on third party than with Cisco UCS, right? So, um, you know, if, if that requires some kind of firmware updates or some kind of coding changes within the physical platform itself, again, that's where really where, um, you know, I think you'll see some of those features come out on UCS first because of that, that integration and because we really own that firmware and can change that uh, much more quickly. So, yeah, I mean, that's prob- probably it in a nutshell there. Um, Hybrid cloud edge, these are things I'm probably going to talk a lot about. But one of the things that we're seeing a lot of is the rise of the use of containers. So Kubernetes, things like that. Uh, As far as using Hyperflex in a a microservices type architecture, can you kind of talk through what what Hyperflex brings to the table if I've got a a Kubernetes environment? A couple different aspects. So the first one, Hyperflex and the data platform being software-defined storage uh, something that we're we're proud of is we we have our own CSI integration, so that's Container Storage Interface uh, integration. Uh, this is a plugin for um, Kubernetes, um, and and CSI is a is a framework that Kubernetes the the Kubernetes community actually provides for storage integrations um, or or third party storages to integrate with Kubernetes. So we have a CSI uh, integration, and so that allows us to. Um, provide persistent storage to any uh, uh, container workloads running within Kubernetes on Hyperflex. 
Um, and, and again, this is all somewhat in an automated fashion, the way that CSI works. So um, you install this plugin into Kubernetes um, and developers that are working directly in Kubernetes can request storage through this CSI plugin. So, you know, they say I'm deploying, uh, you know, XYZ application. I need, you know, 500 gigs of, of storage. And this integration actually, uh, behind the scenes, Kubernetes actually talks out to Hyperflex. Uh, Hyperflex provisions that storage and provides it back to the Kubernetes workload, and, and particularly that application that you're, that you're um, uh, deploying. So, um, so again, it's completely integrated through the CSI um, integration. Uh, and then something else that we're, that we're happy um, that we have coming out is the uh, support for OpenShift as well. So we have a, an operator very similar to this CSI plugin. We have an operator that's posted out there on, uh, on um, OpenShift's um, uh, hub of operators, if you will. Uh, and, uh, and again, providing that support for OpenShift in that same manner and, and persistent, work, uh, um, persistent volumes or storage for uh, OpenShift workloads as well. Um, I'd like to shift over to, to Intersight if we can. Um, I was uh, pulling up the Intersight website or the, the page on, on Cisco's website, and I saw a, a quote in there. It says, shifts the burden of building, maintaining, and securing the management environment to Cisco. Um, I'd like to hear some of you expand on that and um, what kind of securing and managing are, are we doing out on public cloud infrastructure? Yeah, yeah great question. Um this kind of goes back to uh, Cisco Intersight. Um, so I mentioned Cisco Intersight is a SaaS platform. Um, so that means it's it's running out in the cloud and and Cisco actually runs and maintains that out in the cloud, right? So no longer, if, if you kind of look uh, traditionally, uh, even just in our cloud and compute BU, our management products were actual VMs that customers had to go, again, have infrastructure to run. They had to in order to get new features or bug fixes, customers had to go, uh, you know, take uh, uh, maintenance windows p uh, potentially and, and go upgrade those components. So now we've moved all that and we're transitioning all these kind of disparate uh, tools that we've had uh, into a SaaS-based platform, which is Cisco Intersight. So we can, uh, every Thursday, we roll out new features. It's a very, very much a CI/CD model. So um, we can roll out new, uh, we roll out new features every Thursday evening. Um, bug fixes we can push out, you know, as simple as that day or next day, right? I mean, so it's because we own that infrastructure uh, and we own and manage uh, uh, Cisco Intersight uh, in the cloud, we can uh, we can push those things out faster. So again, it's kind of taking that uh, the ownership of the management components, um, you know, that burden away from our customers, and uh, and we're managing that ourselves uh, and just providing those services back uh, from the cloud. So speaking of cloud. Um... And this is probably more an Intersight question than a Hyperflex question, but integration with public clouds, the ability to have that kind of the portability or to to manage my on-prem and cloud, and I've got I've got resources everywhere. Uh, can you kind of talk through maybe where where Hyperflex or like I said, probably more Intersight, but where how much can we do through that single pane of glass versus where is the kind of we can do this much under one and then we've got to use this for the other. And, and I, I want to be clear too. So Cisco Intersight isn't ever going to replace, uh, you know, the, the public cloud vendors and their and their front ends and and, and APIs and things like that, right? But it, it is meant to simplify, especially on the IT side, the ops side, um, that visibility, you know, kind of observability. I'll use that term. Um, 
and that view of kind of what's what's happening across our environments, right? Um, so you know, today you get uh, obviously we talked about visibility on-prem, uh, the Hyperflex uh, clusters, you know, one to many across environments. Certainly, uh, Cisco UCS and those types of workloads as well doesn't have to be Hyperflex. Um, but then in the public cloud, you know, we we um, uh, kind of have just scratched the surface of of what uh, what we're planning to do there. So today we have visibility. Um, so you can view things like your EC2 instances in, uh, in AWS, for example. Um, we're working on um, uh, something that we actually just announced is uh, something called attached clusters for, for Kubernetes. So you can actually take uh, clusters that were not provisioned by Intersight because we, we actually do provide Kubernetes as a service in Intersight. Um, but you can actually take clusters that were not provisioned by Intersight and they could be it doesn't matter where they're running. It could be on-prem, could be in AWS, could be in uh, GKE and in, in Google Cloud. Um, you can actually um, attach those and bring those into Intersight. And so what we can start to do is once you've got that visibility, once you've got kind of that common denominator in Intersight, we can start to look at layering services or provisioning services and policy on top of those things. And, and Kubernetes, I think, is a good example of that uh, where you can pull in Again, if it's Kubernetes running on Hyperflex on-prem or Kubernetes running out in the cloud, maybe Google or AWS, we can start to then kind of look at provisioning software or common policy across all those different components. So even though the infrastructure underneath might be different, we're pulling it in and then we can provide kind of common services. Uh, maybe it's RBAC, maybe it's uh, uh, different security policies, those kind of things, um, and layer that on top uh, and observability as well. Um let's say uh you know automation is like a pretty big thing still it's just growing more and more and more um can you talk to us a little bit about how things like terraform and hyperflex can kind of come together and how we can you know integrate that yeah certainly terraform's uh definitely a, a hot topic for sure and and again i think this all culminates into that uh that inter the cisco intersight platform right it's it's uh uh, definitely uh, an API-driven, you know, API-first platform, uh, and and not only direct APIs, but it also we also have a Terraform provider uh, for Intersight. So if you go out look out on on HashiCorp's uh, site, uh, you'll see the Intersight provider out there. Um, and uh, again, every aspect that you can do in Cisco Intersight, you can actually use the Terraform provider um, to also uh, automate. So create Terraform plans to uh, provision Hyperflex, create Terraform plans to provision Kubernetes, for example. So uh, again, being an API-driven or API-first uh, driven platform, uh, all of those, th all the capabilities within the native UI of, of Cisco Intersight are capable through something like Terraform. And we certainly have customers using that as well. Um, you know, whether it's, uh, again, I mentioned Hyperflex and to take that further into deploying Kubernetes on top of that and even maybe going into the, the workloads on top of that as well. Although tools like Ansible and other tools might be more useful at that layer, but, uh, but definitely have a lot of customers uh, going the Terraform route. And, and that's really one of the, the key reasons that we're kind of API first within uh, Intersight because definitely more and more customers taking that kind of programmatic uh, approach, right? Definitely important. So another one to, to kind of touch on. So we, we kind of hit, we seem to hit a lot of the same kind of topics over and over again. Uh, as we're looking at the application performance, there's over the years, I mean, we've had, we've had vMotion, we've had other things where we're trying to look at where performance is and, and balancing, um, trying to get the best performance for applications. 
I uh, can you I know that Cisco has the inter, Intersight workload optimizer. Can you kind of talk through what that is, where the the capabilities would be, and what that brings to the table? Yeah, for sure. Um, so Intersight workload optimizer, you might hear it called IWO. Um, is a you know one of the multiple services that we have in in Intersight. Um, you know we talked about I, I mentioned a little bit the Kubernetes as a service. I think I talked a little bit about the orchestration service. Um, IWO particularly is all about optimization, um, and you know it's it's optimization uh, around uh, performance, efficiency, and and cost really. So what um, what IWO uh, is really doing is looking at all the different components uh, in an environment, as well as public cloud. So it, it does also, again, this is kind of tie into that hybrid cloud uh, topic that we're talking about as well. Um, but uh, so across these different environments, public cloud and on-prem, Hyperflex, UCS, um, all those components, um, it's talking to all the different layers and it's looking at ways that you could be either be more cost effective, more efficient, or, or even more performant. So it's looking at the relationships of all those different devices, all those different resources. Uh, and by default, it's providing recommendations on, you know, uh, hey, you could scale this down, or uh, maybe you should change the instance type of this instance out in AWS, for example, or hey, you need to add more storage here. So it's looking at all different aspects. Uh, and again, it's providing recommendations back. And what it allows you to do is actually even take that a step further and create policies so that you can actually have IWO automatically go do some of those things for you as well. So by default, we just provide it as a recommendation. And then as an admin, you can control, hey, I'd rather have IWO go ahead and do that whenever uh, whenever it comes up with that recommendation, like let's say resize an instance. or um, uh, So there's kind of different ways to, to kind of configure it, but the idea is that eventually... Uh, it becomes something that's kind of completely autonomous uh, through these policies. So, you know, it's 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 uh, looking at the infrastructure. What are some of those recommendations? And then it's also acting on those as well. So, um, uh, so it's a pretty powerful uh, tool that we're seeing quite a bit of uh, quite a bit of uptake in. Um, and and again, it's 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 nice because it has that view across not only on-prem and public cloud. So it can also help with like planning where to put um, workloads, what's the best place from a cost effective uh, perspective, or um, what is this going to look like? Let's say if I want to move a workload from one place to another, what are the resources that are going to be required? Let's say we're going from public cloud back to on-prem. What are the resources that, are, that I'm going to require on-prem? So all sorts of bells and whistles in there on, on not only just what is my infrastructure looking at today, but if I want to plan a move or plan adding another workload um, can help with those aspects as well. Sounds awesome. So now I get to ask my, my favorite question, put you on the spot. We've talked about a bunch of cool stuff with, with Hyperflex, with Intersight. What do you think is the, the coolest, most exciting thing that, that the Hyperflex solution brings? Yeah, um, you know, I, I think it's, uh, uh, I go back to kind of that, that automation and in the, and in the sense that, you know, no matter where in the world, and we have customers doing this today with hundreds of sites, again, whether they're edge, data center, doesn't matter the location, hundreds of sites, and they're able to go into Intersight and let's say click 25 or 50 of those clusters and say, I want to go expand those Hyperflex clusters. And they just click go, they, they choose the, the servers that they want to expand with and Again, you come back in about an hour and those those Hyperflex clusters are expanded. They've got more resources ready to go. 
again, on the upgrade side, it's, it's very similar, right? I've got hundreds of HX clusters, or maybe even I've only got a couple, right? But there's multiple software components that you have to, that, that make up Hyperflex under the covers. And uh, doing all of those things uh, from a centralized approach, again, being able to go in and, and check off, you know, 50 clusters and say, I want to upgrade ESXi to this version. I want to upgrade HXDP to this version. Again, set it and forget it, click go, and about an hour later, you've got all those components upgraded. So uh, it, it really is kind of that, that ease of use. Um, and we've gotten a lot of feedback from customers on, on, on just that aspect alone. So I think we're only scratching the surface on kind of what we can do there um, and, and kind of much more automation to come and some of the other uh, kind of data management services as well that Hyperflex provides. All right. Well, this has been another phenomenal episode of Cisco Champion Radio. If you want to learn more about Cisco Hyperflex, check out the links provided in the show notes below. And of course, this is your weekly reminder. You can subscribe to Cisco Champion Radio on your favorite streaming platform and receive alerts on our latest releases. So wherever you're listening to us, make sure to click on that subscribe or follow button now. Thank you for listening in. See you again next week. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.